0: That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: You're listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you're here as always. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so glad that you found the show. Um, And this week, I'm thrilled to share the work of my guest with you. I say that every week, but it's true. And I was so inspired by this story, this mom who back in 2018 was trying to find a weighted blanket for her six-month-old son so that he could safely wear it to bed and extend his hour and a half sleep window She was shocked to find that there was nothing available for this age group, so she decided to create her own, and the idea for Dreamland Baby was born. She launched a successful Kickstarter, she created an e-commerce store, and worked hard to land a spot on Shark Tank, where she was victorious in landing a deal with Lori Greiner, and her products are now in Bloomingdale's, Target, Nordstrom, and others. And so this was really uh, an incredible story, as you're going to find out, because the journey to creating a six-figure side hustle was not easy. Her back was really against the wall, which I think adds to just how incredible this story is. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I hope that it inspires you as much as it did me. And if you are interested in anything Dreamland Baby, head on over to their site, dreamlandbabyco.com and use my code UNSTRESSED to save. Well, hello Tara. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And when your team reached out to my team, I thought this is definitely something that I want to get into deeper on the show. We're talking about weighted sleep sacks and blankets for babies and things like that. But before we get into the science behind all of that and the stories, um, I'm really curious about your personal story and your journey. How did the spark happen for your company? And, uh, and what made you think that there could be something here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my background is actually pretty unique. I was in the medical device space for about 10 years doing market development at a few different startups, um, bringing new concepts and products to market. So the idea of something different that people hadn't heard of was not new to me. Um, I have four children and my first three slept reasonably well for newborns, but my baby, my fourth, my dreamland baby, I call him, (laughs) um, he's still waking up every hour and a half at six months old. So for the moms or dads listening, you know, that is a basically worst case scenario. Um, we had bought everything. We had tried everything, vibrating bassinets, swings. I mean, you name it, we bought it. And nothing helped him. One night, my husband and I were sitting on the couch, just casually watching TV, and I have a heavy throw blanket. I laid it on top of my son, Luke, and I saw this calm just immediately come over his face. And this is a kid who was colicky, who was always fussy, who truly was never content. And it was the first moment as a mom, I literally almost cried. I was like, oh my gosh, he's calm. And And immediately I thought he needs a weighted blanket. And that would have been the end of my story. And that would have been my aha moment, except when I went to my computer to locate said product, it did not exist. So there were weighted blankets for infants that I could find online on Etsy and Amazon, but they were loose. So AAP recommends that you wear a wearable weighted blanket and you have nothing else in the crib until baby is two years old. So I had this idea of what we think of as a traditional sleep sack, with a weighted blanket sewn on top. And that's what I was searching for. And when I saw it wasn't available, I thought, how can this be? Weighted blankets are so popular for adults, for children, even for dogs. They have these things called thunder vests. A baby is the most obvious demographic for this as they're coming out of the womb and in a tight, compressed space. How do we not have this? So I called my mother-in-law who, um, she's not any type of crazy seamstress, but you know, she sews and can make things. And I said, could you sew this concept? And she said, yes. And it took her about 15 hours. And two weeks later, we got it back. And the first night I put it on him, he slept for 12 hours. Mm. So six months, waking up every hour and a half, the first night, 12 hours. And it was actually, it felt too good to be true. So we thought maybe it's a fluke. The next night, same thing, 12 hours, 12 hours. He's now just turned four and we keep sizing him up. And now he <laughs> sleeps with our children's weight, to it, but he is still sleeping through the night three and a half years later. So that is the origin story to the brand.
1: That's incredible. And honestly, I mean, so many companies start and they don't have stories like that, where it really hit home, where it truly did work for them. They just have like an idea or an expansion of another product that's already out there. Like to hear that you really went through this and you suffered, you know, being up with the child yeah, God, every hour and a half. I mean, I can't imagine. Um, and I honestly wish I had that for my youngest who didn't sleep through the night until he was two years old. And we still razz him for that because it was like, you, you tortured us like for two years. So this, I mean, this is incredible. And I'm just hoping that so many moms, uh, and, and just, you know, if you know, someone who's pregnant is, is tuning in to this episode in particular so that you can, uh, you learn more. Um, so tell me about, okay, so you have the concept you, it obviously works for you. How did you then decide to take it to the next level, to expand it and get it out in the market? Because that to me is intimidating for so many people, especially if you have a life, you've got, you know, four children, you're, you're doing all the things. How do you decide, okay, now we're going to take this on and essentially have a fifth child, which is a business. Yeah.
2: You know, it was a really crazy time in our, Family's life. Um, The day before my son was born, my husband was laid off of his job from fourteen of fourteen years. He had the same job since he was a intern in college. And while I was on maternity leave, so just two months later, the startup I was with closed their doors. So we went from having two very healthy incomes to no income, and it was just this kind of time of crisis. I had four children, five and under. And this baby who was just relentlessly crying. So it was not an optimal time to start a business. But when I, I was still on maternity leave when I came up with the idea. And at that time I had started interviewing and I was looking to go back and my husband was really pushing me. Um, We knew the role and the job he had. He probably wouldn't find a new position for about a year. So he was really pushing me like, just go find something like we need health insurance if nothing else, because we're paying COBRA right now um for all these people. And I didn't feel um ethically or like morally that I could in good faith interview with another company knowing that I was starting something on my own. Um, in hindsight, I would have never quit my job the moment I thought of this. But to tell another company, yeah, like I'm gonna be there committed for two years, like I knew that wouldn't be true. So, um, I definitely wouldn't recommend quitting your job, but I was unemployed. And so I made the conscious decision to stay unemployed and really focus on dreamland baby. That being said, I still had four really young kids, which is in itself a full-time job, of course. So I balanced the two, um, for about two years and then we hired, um, started hiring team members. And part of that team was a full-time nanny to allow me to work on the business full-time instead of trying to do both.
1: Man, what a story. I mean, just the bravery alone to like follow your dream and to go after it. And I mean, just say no to, to opportunities that, you know, like the safe road. You said, no, like I can't do that. I just really respect that. I really think that that's cool. Um, so tell us about when it did start to break through, um, well, actually share some of the ways that you did raise funding. Cause I feel like to the woman listening to this, they're like, oh, wow, that's great. But then like, how did you actually do it? Because so many people have dreams, have great ideas, million dollar ideas, but then it's like, well, I just don't know, you know, the next step. So let's hear it from you.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I made the conscious decision not to, um, go back to what we consider traditional employment And while I have four kids, I was doing pickups and drop-offs and preschool and, and daycare and all these different avenues. I was talking to other women and asking, you know, I think the biggest thing was I, during those six months, I was in survival mode. So it was, I was up all night. I would wake up in the morning. I'd try to get my kids off. I mean, I wasn't even getting out of the car at school. Like I was in sweatpants with sunglasses on. I mean, just in hiding almost. And then as soon as I started getting sleep again, I became my old self. So I was getting up, I was happy. I was putting on makeup. I was getting dressed. I started working out again, like seeing friends, doing the things I loved. And people noticed that right away. Like I'd start coming out at school and they're like, Oh, are you getting sleep again? Cause I was constantly saying, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm not sleeping." Like everybody knew it was, it was really bad. Um, and so I said, yeah, I created this product, this weighted blanket for him and it goes on him and he just falls asleep. He falls asleep very fast. And, you know, he stays asleep through the night. It's amazing. And people had kind of three reactions. One was like, how does that product not already exist? It's so obvious. Or two, I wish I had that for my baby my sister's going through that. Can your mother-in-law make one for her? Like my cousin, you know, could she make one for me or the third was everyone's was like, you need to go on shark tank. Cause they knew the story of how we'd both off. And now we're starting, I was starting this business or I wasn't even thinking about starting the business at that moment. It, but it was very, very quickly that I was like, Oh, this is a product like within a week, literally a week. I had it. It succeeded for us. I told A couple of people about it. The response was so overwhelming. So then I thought, the next thing I was going to do was get a patent on it. But again, I still didn't really think there was a possibility because it seemed like such an obvious product that somebody would have already patented it or it wouldn't be patentable, something to that effect. So that was my first step. And I wasn't really excited until, until I realized there was no patent on it and we could get a utility patent on it. That's when I was like, whoa, okay, this is a game changer. Like, We are the only ones who will be able to sell this. And it is an invention that I came up with that nobody has thought of yet. So that's when I got really excited. And then I went into full on, okay, let's start um, it, like interviewing the market. So I have this small sample size, of course, but how can I reach more people? Um, at the time, I was 31. So a lot of people in my orb from high school and college were having just had babies or, you know, had young kids. So I had a personal network I could tap into. So I made a whole bunch of surveys and I just started getting them out there. I started interviewing people just through like Instagram and Facebook, like who wants to take a survey? Like give me your email. I'll give you a $5 Starbucks gift card, like just different ways. And so I started amassing tons and tons of data and I made each of the interviews like more complex. And then I started doing live interviews and then I started developing the product And if you look at the original product we have, it's actually like our prototype, it's very similar to what we have today. Ours is of course better designed, it's more refined, but structurally like it's the same thing. So then I I looked for a seamstress um, because my mother-in-law, like bless her, but it really did take her 15 hours to make, even now that we mass-produce them, they're very labor-intensive they're not made by machine, they're made by hand. So um, there's just a lot of time that goes into them. Each of the pockets need to be um, evenly distributed weight. So they have to, by hand, like measure and put in the weight and then by hand sew them. Because when we first started, we thought we could use a machine, but then the needle would hit the beads and the needle would break. So then they would have to start over. So then we realized, no, we need someone to manually move it with their hand and then manually sew it. So they're very, very labor intensive. So she, she was like, sorry, I like I can't make a bunch of these. It's just, it's not it's something I can't do. So um, I found someone in, I live in San Francisco Bay area and that took a ton of time. I mean, I literally went to um, Joanne Fabric. There's several in the area. I drove like two hours to the bulletin boards because people would put up their small card and say, I sew pillowcases, I sew curtains. Um, and I would, I called everybody on the boards and there were hundreds of cards on each of these boards and nobody thought they could do it. They were like, that's not my area of expertise. It's not, it's technically very challenging to make these, or they would say it's not worth my time. Because if you think about, we have 50 plus pockets and each pocket has to be sewn individually. If you made a curtain or a pillow, you will have to sew essentially four times, but this is four times 50. So it's just way more effort than doing something else. And people are like, I don't have experience with I don't understand the beads like that. I don't know how we would measure the placement. And so finally I found somebody that would do it. I paid $150 for each sleep sack for them to sew it. So, I mean, right there, what I made 10, it was $1,500. And that when I first started, we talked about budgets. I had from being on maternity leave, it was like $14,000. And so at the time we literally had no money. I remember my husband would say gas and groceries, gas and groceries. Like that's all we could spend on. And so I had this money in a separate account from the state of California. When you are on maternity leave, it's considered disability, and so you know we all pay into that, and then you're able to withdraw that when you are on on leave. Because my I was at the startup, and so they didn't give me any maternity leave. It was just go through the state. And so I used that first fourteen thousand basically to buy those samples and then get our patent. Um, and then, you know, pay for Starbucks gift cards and just little things, which seem like 14,000 sounds like a lot, but it goes really, really fast. So that kind of got us off the ground. And then I just used every free resource I could find. So, um, there's the small business association of America called, um, score and it is free mentors. And so I found somebody who did, um, importing for juvenile products, which is really specific guidelines. And so he, guided me toward a factory. He guided me how to import, how to clear duties and customs because very quickly I realized it is not going to be viable to make these in the United States because they're so labor intensive. You know, I'm paying $150. I would need to charge people $500 to be able to make a profit on this, right? It's not, it's not going to be feasible. So we do produce overseas. And so that was a huge hurdle, a huge learning curve, something I had no experience with, but figured that part out and then I did a Kickstarter. So that a Kickstarter is essentially people pay for the product before they receive it or before you even manufacture it. So because I didn't have any initial money to pay for the first round of manufacturing, you have to pay up front. They manufacture it. And then you get it a few months later because they have to buy the materials and make it. Um, so everyone in the Kickstarter basically paid for that first round. And then they got the product at a reduced cost. So it was, I think we did like 50% off. So that yielded basically no extra money, pretty much just paid for the first round. And then my sister actually gave me a $50,000 loan, um, no interest loan for one year. Yeah. Which was amazing. And so I took that money and that's when I started, I had to get a website and build out the website and I did everything myself. Like I didn't, there was no employees. I didn't pay anybody, but it still cost money just to, uh, you know, get the product here and then ship it to customers and have the website. And so I used that money, but we were profitable right away, like from our second month in business. So, um, I was really proud in the one year to be able to pay my sister back. And then my parents invested $50,000 as well. So if I look at the full, like I started with $114,000, 50000 as a loan and 65000 as initial capital. Um, so I did not pay my parents back. They get, have like a small part of the business. Um, so that's how we started. Um, you definitely need money, but it is possible to find it and to do friends and family. Or if you have your own money, that's amazing. You can get a bank. Like getting a loan from a bank is actually very difficult at the beginning. I mean, still... We're we barely just this year, you need two years of positive tax returns. So we barely, the, everyone jokes, you can get a loan from the bank
1: when you don't need it.
2: Like that's when they're ready to give it to you. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're not ready to give it to you. So that's kind of from the capitals part, like how we started.
1: This episode is sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas while nursing her second son. So she decided to design her own line. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely, while we all know being a mom can be tough, it is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and bravery to be a mom. And at Kindred Bravely, they are devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms, from breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas. And I might not be pregnant or nursing, but I can advocate completely for how comfortable their clothing is. I wear the uh, cardigan almost every single day, certainly around the house. And I gifted my sister some leggings. Um, She is pregnant with her third child and she is absolutely over the moon for them. She wants me to get her some more. So you can get your own and save while you do by using my code UNSTRESS20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Man, thank you for taking us through that because I feel like that is a real look at how difficult it is, but if you have that grit, if you have that belief in yourself and your product, like you figure it out. I mean, that's the best way and you you listen to all these entrepreneur stories and and they all seem to have that. And uh and now tell us about how you made it onto Shark Tank, that whole process. Um like when they when they reached out and said, yes, we want you to come on the show, what was that like? Take us through that feeling.
2: That was a crazy experience too. So I remember I wrote my business plan and I had put on there that I was going to get a $200,000 investment from one of the sharks. And that was going to be my essential first round of capital. And my husband's in finance. and I remember him looking at it and he said, nobody is going to want to invest in your business if that's part of your plan. And I said, why? And he said, babe, that's like a hope and a wish. He said, that's not a guarantee. I mean, we had looked it up and one in 40,000 people get on the show, right? So it's so small chance. And then even if you got on like for somebody to invest and he was like, that's, it's ridiculous. And in hindsight it is, but I literally had it on my business plan. And I just believed without a shadow of a doubt, like I would be on the show. Like there was not a question in my mind. Like our story is so ridiculous and this invention is so amazing and it works so well and it's so unique that it's it's a game changer and I was like this is going to be a 100 million dollar business like I never thought it wasn't um so i had applied and they i think they used to do these in person events where you would drive in and you'd you'd pitch almost like an american idol type thing that's not what we had it this was um in march of 2019 is when I applied. And it's, there's just a form on the website and it's literally like a one box form. You can pretty much write a paragraph. I mean, there's not a lot you can submit. And it just basically says like, you can write a couple lines about your story and a couple lines about the product and that's it. And so I thought that's it. Like that doesn't give me enough opportunity to tell the whole story. Yeah. It was, I forget 300 words or something like that. And so I was like, nobody's ever going to respond to that. And then I, um, bought an email from one of the executive producers. And they're like, Hey, we're interested in your story. And I actually thought it was a spam. And they said, you know, can you get on a call or, you know, something to that effect? And I wrote back and I was like, yeah, I can. And they're like, great. Can, can you talk? And I forget it was like two hours or something like this evening at five o'clock. And I was like, Whoa, what? So like, okay. So I was still kind of skeptical because like, what? And so I talked with the executive producer and it was real. And he was like, this story is amazing. Like, you know, It's while it is a true pitch, like it's still a TV show. So there has to be an element that's interesting to the audience. And he was like, the audience is going to love this. Like, this is the American dream. Like you are the American dream laid off back against the wall. Like you need to make money for your family. And the other thing my husband had basically said to me was like, listen, you can have a year. So he's like, I will like indulge this fantasy of this company. And he said, but if you're not profitable in a year, like you need to agree that we'll shut it down. And I said okay, because he never believed in it. He never thought it would be um, anything. Like I'm not sure why. <laughs> he just, you no, know, like mm-hmm. I don't know. Just didn't I, my finance brain, finance brain. But previous, like my previous role was really niche, and um, I had a very high income. So he was like, "How are you going to replace that? Mm-hmm. For a business? Like he just didn't think that. You know. And so to our family, like it was definitely a big hit. I, I paid, I contributed a lot and we had just bought our dream house that was like top of our budget in a new area. And, you know, for two years, my kids didn't do any sports or any extracurricular or anything. Like we didn't go on vacation. We didn't buy anything, toys at target. I mean, it was truly like gas and groceries. Like that was all because anything beyond just paying for a house was from my income. And since that wasn't there, it was, and we had always had um, full-time help with the kids and that's a luxury, right? And if if we if we didn't have that, then I'm waking up really early in the morning. I'm taking care of the kids during the day. Then I'm handing them off to my husband as soon as he gets home. And he wasn't used to that. Like he was used to having help and so, you know, somebody to make dinner. And that all of a sudden I'm like, no, like you and I have to do that. So it was a huge um, just shift in our family and definitely a big sacrifice for everybody. Um, but I was like, I promise you it'll be worth it. Like I never, I never thought it wouldn't be successful.
1: So when you actually did get the call from the producer and they're like, yes, it's real. And then you show up. What was that? Were you nervous or was it? Or did you just have this like knowing inside? Well, okay. So
2: I, it wasn't quite that easy. So they loved the story and then they said, what is the revenue? And I was like, well, we haven't sold Mm it yet. And that it was like, if you were in a, you know, music place and then it's like, er! and like the music stops, it, shatters, <laughs> right? it was just this moment of it stopped. And so, um, he said, well, you know, do you have a plan to sell it? And I was like, well, we're going to do this Kickstarter, but I really wasn't planning on doing the Kickstarter for many more months because I didn't think our marketing was ready and our packaging wasn't good enough. And I didn't know if our logo was the right colors. And it, you know, I think there's definitely an element of, um, they're good enough, really. And so from a safety standpoint, that is what I really spent from the time I thought of it until we launched the Kickstarter, which is about a year. I really dug into the safety. I worked with pediatricians, with pluminologists, with NICU nurses who have used weighted components in the NICU for you know 30, 40 years um, certified sleep consultants to get the perspective of, you know, what is their customer base asking for? So I was very, very heavy into the safety. We found a clinical trial, we partnered with hospitals. Um, and that was all very easy for me because it was my medical background. So like all of that was there, but it was more the design element and this element. And, and in hindsight, if I hadn't had this call with Shark Tank, I probably would have pushed out that Kickstarter like six months because I would have still been tinkering and making it perfect. But I just blurted out, oh, yeah, we're launching it next month. And he was like, next month. Okay, awesome. And he was like, so call me back when you have it. And he said, we film in June and September. And he said, the June one will be really tight. So you'll probably miss that. He said, but maybe for September. And he said, and then if not, we could talk next year. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to get this ready and and just get it to go. So I pulled. Nothing like a deadline. Right. So I pulled together the Kickstarter super fast. And then this whole time I was emailing them like, Hey, look at these photos we did and look at this video shoot and just, Oh, like this local business, you know, newspaper picked us up. And at that time I was trying to start getting some press. And, um, so they were like, okay, okay. And then finally the Kickstarter concluded, it ran from May until June. And so they said, okay, you know, we raised 25,000 and they said, you can come on the show. So then I got matched up with, um, one of their associate producers and then they, it's like a eight weeks where you have a weekly check-in and during that entire eight weeks, they start with, I don't know, maybe a hundred people and they like snuff people out every week. So it was like your answers aren't good enough or you're not progressing in the way they like, or you don't, you can't speak on camera. Like there's all these different things you do every, there's like a weekly homework assignment. And so it was just, I remember that whole summer between June and September, it was like a full-time job just to get ready for Shark Tank. And at the time, again, we didn't have all the legal things in place. Like you have to have a business license. Like we didn't have that because we hadn't sold anything yet. And even the Kickstarter, while we had taken exchange for it until you actually ship a product, like you're not live. So there were all these business things that I had to do for shark tank, which again, like completely kickstarted my business. I mean, that would have taken me, I wouldn't even know where to start. And so they had this checklist. So every week I was doing stuff, doing stuff and just this kind of anxiety of like, Oh my gosh, we made it to the next round. We made it. And then we flew to LA in September (laughs) And I had just launched the website like three weeks prior. So they had nothing really to beat me up on, right? Like, oh, you've been in business for four years and you have no income, right? Like, mm-hmm. a very positive um, experience there. But yeah, I mean, the moment those doors open, it's absolutely surreal. And the music starts. And I had watched, I love Shark Tank. Like, I remember it first came out when I was in college and I had watched every episode, like... I am a finance major. I went to a business school. Like it's, it was just, I was like, this is like the American dream. And I always thought someday I'll be on that show. Like I had this like manifest wow. destiny. Wow. You for what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I willed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the moment you walk out, it was like, it was surreal. I, I truly, This sounds so odd, but I truly felt like I was standing there and and my husband now at this point, of course, he's totally on board. He's like, oh, you're, you're, killing me. Mm. like there was a very big shift as soon as Shark Take was interested. He came and he was one of the actors. So he like pretended to be asleep and then heard the waking baby and, but he wasn't involved <laughs> in this at all. As soon as he finished his like, you know, three minute acting part, he left the stage and it was just me with the five sharks. But it was as if Again, this sounds really weird. Like I like left my body and I was a shell standing there and a calm version of me was like looking down saying, okay, now say this, this is how you're going to answer. And I was like a robot, just like listening to this other version of me that was very calm and observing. And I was just saying everything. So it was overall, it was a very positive experience. They were very nice. There were some hard questions, but I didn't get tripped up at all. And I just felt completely completely calm like I was like you got this like you know all these answers they have nothing to beat you up about you just launched like there's not all that much that can happen here that's negative and just make sure you share your story and like tell why you started it and how well it works and and I definitely if you if anyone's seen the episode um it came across I think really positive
1: Yes. And, and please share the results with the woman listening if she hasn't seen it. Cause I think that that's like, that's the culmination of all of your hard work, the the summer of hell, basically.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Lori, um, offered us a deal and you know, we accepted, um, and walking off that stage, I remember thinking again, it was, it was just so surreal. You film in a, in a studio, like I had a makeup crew, like I was a actress celebrity for one day. Right. Um, and I remember the craziest part of the whole experience. And like one of my favorite moments, I thought my husband was watching the whole time, but they took him back to the trailer. There were, there were little golf carts that were all over and you were in trailers, like on it's the ABC lot, right? So you're on set on studio. And so they took him back and they actually, it's very secretive, right? So they didn't allow him to watch and he, he didn't see anything. So I remember the moment where I opened the trailer and like, I have this big smile on my face and he said, what happened? And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I was like, you weren't there. No, what happened? And I was like, oh my gosh, we made a deal. And it was just this, like, we like hugged and embraced and I'm, I think I cried. And it was just this moment where I felt like I was struggling so hard. We were struggling financially. We were struggling with you know, the four kids and me, I mean, I was waking up every morning at five in the morning and working until they got to school and then working during nap time. And then, you know, he'd come home and then I broke from five to eight o'clock at night. And like, it was such a grind because I was trying to get this business off the ground, but obviously I have four kids full time. And I mean, two of them were in school, but one was just in preschool and then my baby was home with me. So it was like, it was nonstop. And, um, my husband and I, you know, we're fighting a lot of work and we renovated two houses and we had four kids in five years and none of that Bothered us, but it was it was the money part where it was like you can't buy anything, you can't go anywhere. I remember I had girlfriends and we used to meet once a week at Starbucks. And my husband was like, "You can't do that anymore." Like I couldn't buy a five dollar cup of coffee, right? So I just felt like every I felt so like boxed in in a cage almost, like we can't do anything, and it was just very stressful. Like, are we gonna be able to pay our mortgage? Like, can we pay the health insurance? Right? It was this very stressful time, and it felt like in that moment when we embraced in the trailer, it was like it was all worth it. And then it was also, I just felt like, like we made it.
1: Oh, I love that. This needs to be optioned as a movie, like immediately, like anyone listening, this would be an amazing film. Um, Wow. Okay. So obviously we're almost out of time, but um, we know that weighted blankets work for adults. Um, I mean, I guess it's the same science for an infant. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that to kind of round us out?
2: Yeah, for sure. So you know, it really is science backed, and um, there's been a ton of studies done for adults and kids. And now um, there was one study that was done for infants, and there's a, another study that's happening right now with Midwestern University that we're partnering with with our blanket specifically. So that's really exciting for us. But really, the science behind it is it's called deep touch stimulation. So. Um, It really lowers cortisol, which is that fight-or-flight hormone you feel if you're in a fight with a friend, you're all kind of pent up, right? Um, It reduces that, and then it increases melatonin, which is the sleep hormone, you think of melatonin like pills that you can get over the counter, Um, and serotonin, which is that happy, feel-good hormone. And so serotonin is released when you give a hug, right? So it's that same concept where you're giving a hug, you have an embrace, and you feel calm, and you feel relaxed. And so part of why infants fight sleep so much is they can't get into a state of relaxation. So they're awake and they don't, they're, it's, it's almost like when babies are born, they have to learn to eat. If you think about the first time you put a spoon of solid food in a baby's mouth where they like kind of spit it out and they don't naturally know how to swallow it, then they learn after a couple of times and then they evolve from liquids to mush to solids and, and so on. So it's the same concept while it's an innate thing everyone needs. Babies actually have to learn to sleep. So if they can't learn to be calm, then they can't get into that relaxation state to actually fall asleep. So this is really a tool. And if you think about why a baby falls asleep so easy on your chest or co-sleeping in a bed, this is that same concept, but they can safely be in a bear crib on their own in a wearable product that gives them that same sensation. It's not going to be the exact same as sleeping on your warm body, right? But it's as close as we can get in a safe environment. And so when I looked at this, um, you know, product, I thought we can take, some people like to co-sleep and that's a decision they want to make, but there's a lot of people who co-sleep that don't want to, and they do it because this is the only way baby will sleep, but I'm up all night as a parent. Cause I'm nervous. I'm going to smother my baby. Um, and so for all those people who are doing unsafe sleep practices, we heard over and over people are stacking blankets on baby. They're putting them in, you know, different kinds of sleeping nests that aren't safe. And it's to get that simulation of being held, being hugged, being in the womb again. And so if we can eliminate all those unsafe positions and be able to give them a safe option, I said, this is something every single person in the world would want. And and that is my vision, that it will be on every registry across the world, literally, like yes. not even um, but yeah, it's it's very science-based and, and it's also logical if you just kind of think about where the baby was for nine months and how babies sleep best, um, that it's a natural extension of having a weighted blanket for adults, kids, dogs, for babies as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I truly believe that like you were born to bring this product to the world and to share your story. I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story with us. I mean, it was just incredible, and I'm rooting for you. And I'm definitely adding this to every gift that I give to a pregnant mama in my life. Um, Tara, thank you so much for for sharing your story. Do you have anything else that you feel called to share with the audience to kind of to leave leave with us today?
2: You know, thank you for that. It's, it's so kind. I do believe for anyone who's out there that is has a side hustle or an idea, or someone in your life who's saying you can't do it. Like I believe that if you if there's a will, there's a way. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of other ideas, and they weren't good ideas. But I I think as women, we have an intuition when something's going to work. And I just think I'm such a story of, you know, there couldn't have been a worse time five kids, four kids, five and under, both of us unemployed. And I'm like, if I can do it and I'm not extra smart, I don't have an MBA. Like I haven't had other startups, right? I'm just an average person. And I'm like, if I can do it, so can you. So I would just say to anyone who's thinking of starting a business, like go for it. There's never going to be a right time. So just start. Mm,
1: I love that. So where can our listener find out more about Dreamland Baby?
2: Absolutely. So we're really active on Instagram, and it's Dreamland Baby Co. Um, our website is dreamlandbabyco.com. We're on TikTok. Give us a follow there because we're we're trying to grow that audience. Um, but really, you know, any of the social sites, we're Dreamland Baby Co. And um, we'll definitely get you guys a a code for a discount. Um, I'll make sure our team sends that over.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Typically, I use unstressed, so I think that that would work really well with this audience. Um, But yeah, that'll be, that'll be so great. Thank you so much, Tara. This was a pleasure. Awesome. you You have been listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast. Please remember to rate review and subscribe to this podcast.